0: For my father now, Kate. He's been sick, very sick.
1: But you're not like him, Michael. I thought you weren't going to become a man like your father. That's what you told me.
0: My father's no different than any other powerful man. <sighs> any man who's responsible for other people, like a senator or a president. You know how naive you sound. Why? Senators and presidents don't have men killed. Oh. Who's being naive, Kay?
1: Goddard! Welcome, everyone, to Cut to Black, a Soprano sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and it's been about a decade since I've re-watched The Godfather.
0: My name's Jacob Burrows, and it's
1: been about a decade since I rewatched The
0: Godfather as well. And we have now done it. And our minds collectively, I think, are blown. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. Jim, is that? Are we in agreement? Is
1: yeah. your mind blown? No, nah, I'm absolutely in agreement. I know it's it's such an obvious thing to say, though. Too like, wow, The Godfather. What a great movie.
0: <laughs> no, that's been me because we rewatched it for no particular reason other than wanted to check in with our pals at, uh, you know the cut to black feed let you know what's up let you know we're still alive haven't gotten hit it out yet um but yeah no when you rewatch the godfather for no reason you just start talking to everyone like wow
1: like it's so good though and everyone's like yeah you fucking idiot uh yeah because i mean you know we we wanted to check back in on the feed here sopranos has been all the rage like sopranos I mean, I guess COVID did something really well for the Sopranos, and not that the Sopranos ever went away, but it feels like it's everywhere now. Maybe it's just because we've done a show and rewatched it not too long ago. Uh, but yeah, you got to go back to the classics. You got to go back to one of the, one of the OGs, The Godfather, and I guess I don't know if it's my maturity or just uh you know being in this mindset coming off of the Sopranos and stuff like that because it's not like I ever thought the Godfather was bad but it it just played way better for me this on this most recent rewatch and I I think one of the reasons why I hadn't rewatched it more recently it's more so because when you think about it like ah, three-hour movie I don't really want to sit through a three-hour movie but the Godfather does not feel like a three-hour movie uh Mm -hmm. it really moves because it is even at the beginning or through most of it it does feel like we're just kind of checking in at things like just setting the scene on what gangsters are in a way like it's not this strict like this 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 it's more like all right so yeah now we're We got uh, Johnny Fontaine doesn't get that picture. And, you know, of course, the classic horse head and all that. Then we're back with the family. I don't know. It just I don't know if you felt felt the same way, but it's a brisk three hour movie.
0: No, absolutely. Uh, that's like exactly my feeling as well, because I, I swear at one point I was like, I wonder how much is left. We got to be like halfway, right? And I check and it's like 20 minutes left. And I'm like, wait, what time is it? Like, it's like <laughs> a fucking the opposite of most films that are three hours long, because you, most of the time you're like, Jesus Christ, I have to split this up. I have to turn this into a mini series in order to understand it. You know, even with things like The Irishman, which we've discussed on this feed, which I do enjoy a lot there you know the the briskness i think is a good way of saying it it's is really it really helps you get through the godfather so easily and definitely i appreciated it so much more this time around it probably would have been about 10 years ago i would have been you know 20 or whatever something like that watching it and i enjoyed it but now possibly you know having spent so many hours <laughs> talking about ma- masterpieces like every episode of the sopranos i'm like this is so good. I just, you just notice more of like, this is just good stuff. And that's why it ages well, because everything in is, is good. I think what you, a lot of people expect when they go back to something that's a little bit older is that it's going to be like, yeah, it was groundbreaking for its time but when you watch it now you're like whatever cuz all the other films are have taken on after the same stuff yeah. they were doing then and sort of started doing it so we're more used to it it's it's not no longer groundbreaking but the godfather while it was groundbreaking in some ways it's just still really solid foundationally there's nothing that's like wow what an achievement in cinema history other than just being a fucking amazing film you know
1: yeah no absolutely and uh yeah you kind of Like at least like the way I remember it or think of it, you know, again, without having seen it in a long time is uh, you think of it as maybe a little bit more stuffier, like because it's because it's an older movie. So it's more like uh, because it it is part of it. Part of it is like that. It's the more of the allure of the uh, like high class criminal in a way. But there's mm-hmm. still like, but there's way more than I remembered of like just kind of the bumbling fool in, in, a, in a, as well, because uh, like I always think of Goodfellas, and I mean Goodfellas is still my favorite, but Goodfellas is more like just almost in line with the Sopranos, where it's just these guys are fucking crazy weirdos, whereas with the yeah. Godfather they got a little bit more class. But then in my mind, it's like, oh, it's probably that makes means the movie going to be stuffier or like maybe a little bit more boring or something like that. Uh, but no, I don't know. It, it is. It's weird to sit here and be like, it's a revelation. <laughs> the Godfather know, yeah. is great. Uh, but also, I mean, just I mean, obviously, you haven't seen it before, but it's just a stark reminder of how even if you've never seen this movie, just through osmosis, you've seen this movie because. Oh, yeah. There's so many lines, so many scenes that things have been parodied, redone. I mean, especially if you watch The Simpsons or something like that. Like, it's There's so much that has been stolen or just paid in tribute to that you're like, oh yeah, this, this thing, this thing, this line. All right, of course, this is all stuff. Even if I haven't seen the movie, it's been in my face my whole life and you've just, you've seen it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I mean, as far as how it relates to The Sopranos, uh like it's it's clear i think it's actual fact that like gangsters and what have you responded enthusiastically to uh, the godfather right so that became part of their own internal mythos as well and their own sort of within that type of s- tiny subculture that's also part of how they relate to what they are and what they do which is so well shown in the well the Godfather, sorry uh goodfellas as well to a certain extent but yeah. like obviously the sopranos uh where they have like the mobsters going around quoting this stuff, and obviously the 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 lines early on in The Sopranos about coming in at the uh, at the end of something. This is like the beginning of that. This is like the the standard of all of their like what a good mafia person should be is like basically laid out in some ways. It's like a cultural manifest for them to relate to. And meanwhile, it's so interesting when we have like Christopher's torn to the towards the world of world of film and all of that. That yeah. wouldn't really. Uh, exist without the godfather obviously yeah um so you know there's a couple of quotes there was one uh salvatore sammy the bull uh gravano uh an underboss in the gambino crime family said i left the movie stunned i mean i floated out of the theater maybe it was fiction but for me then that was our life it was incredible and then they he talks about uh oh no another guy says that someone came out of the film um And their speech patterns started to change where before and they were sort of swearing more frequently using poor grammar. And then after seeing The Godfather, they started to sort of improve their speech and philosophize more kind of, you know, acting more like
1: a grandiose kind of smart guy gangster. (laughs) Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, because I mean. I guess it's like they say, representation matters. So if you're, (laughs) you know, if you're a mafia criminal, and then you you watch, uh, you know, a masterpiece film like The Godfather, and it's not so much that it glorifies. uh, I mean, maybe to an extent, it kind of glorifies a little bit, but like just seeing it in that, you know, uh, like kind of respectable way you're like hell yeah that's that's they it's like me on the screen (laughs) it's like (laughs) me I'm Michael uh this is perfect so uh yeah I mean it's just such a great watch and again like there's so many there were so many moments where I'm watching and I'm like oh yeah I know this line I know this line and part of it is I mean in a weird way uh to, to go into my own life I listen a lot of talk radio that's why I got into podcasting before it was cool but I listen to a show uh Opie and Anthony is a big east coast shock jock type show but they had so many audio clips like on their that they would play on their soundboard that are just from the godfather like she was the greatest piece of ass I ever had and I've had them all over the world or or it's like you can act like a man and he slaps them what's the matter with you and I mean, I'm sure, I mean, you listen to a lot of podcasts. You listen to my podcast. We play audio drops. There's those weird moments where you've heard a sound so many times that all of a sudden when it's in the thing, it weirdly stands way out from the rest of it. You're like, oh, yeah, I know this clip. Uh, Oh, yeah, you disassociated
0: it uh, totally. Like, (laughs) that's just what happens. I think it's the same to a certain extent, like at the start of each episode, of our of this podcast obviously we play a little audio clip so imagine hearing that like over and over and over and that's basically what television movies and radio has done to us (laughs) over the past 50 years uh since uh, this film came out just to touch on you said like about representation as a sort of joke but interestingly right uh the producer originally was pretty vehement about we need an italian american to make yeah. this film like genuine um and a previous mafia film had done pretty bad at the box office and the evans the producer believed that you know that was in large part due to the cast members not having that type of genuine representation interestingly sergio leone was their first pick which i didn't mm. know i didn't uh, know that either It's so fun when you read about this stuff after the fact because I think The Godfather is a masterpiece. And whenever you're reading about one after the fact, it's crazy to learn all the variables of how it could have been totally different. And also, when you read about the production, it seemed like absolute chaos in the making of this film and like the putting together of the script. Like it was originally supposed to be set in present day. They had to fight to make it take place in, you know, as a period piece shortly after the war and all this interesting stuff. It's just. You know, and just reading about how like they offered it, I think to like a dozen directors before uh, Coppola got got the job. It's just hilarious because now it's like everything about it is so iconic and ingrained into our culture.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, um, I mean, obviously, if you're listening to a Sopranos podcast, I'm sure you're kind of into story or filmmaking. But whenever you get into that type of stuff, like you pick anything. It's, it's always just a miracle that a movie or TV show was made, never mind being good, just that it was like put together, like somehow strung together and people were able to get it done. But then when, yeah, something is like historic and, uh, y- you know, amazing and just part of the, the general culture and then you're like, oh, yeah, this was like things were happy accidents and the way things just kind of fell together and became like a classic.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And I mean, speaking
0: to that chaos, one of the many people who originally turned down working on the film was the cinematographer Gordon Willis, um, who later became known as, as uh, you know, working with Woody Allen on a lot of his films that, uh, you know, the cinematography there. But this would have been... Uh, an earlier film for him, and he did a Western that same year. It's kind of, you can see some of that uh, vibe as well. But basically, he turned it down because the production seemed chaotic. (laughs) And then later, he did accept it. uh, And him and Coppola, they agreed not to use any sort of modern uh, filming devices, which is really fun when you look back at it, because to us, I think the film looks a bit old because it's a bit old but even then they were like we're not going to do helicopters we're not going to use zoom lenses they're making these choices about to to make it sort of a tableau to film it as if it's viewed like a painting which is super visible in sort of the first few scenes obviously of the wedding and everything especially but all throughout really and it's really interesting that you know they're they're they had a lot of these techniques that we still use today they just chose not to do that and the film is the stronger for it
1: yeah, no, absolutely. Because it's just like, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, if just making like a specific choice, uh, just sets things apart, and like sticking, sticking with it. Uh, now, as far as like the way the Godfather is, I mean, again, I haven't rewatched the sequels. I know you have, and yeah. I mean, I actually have never even seen Godfather three. But do mm-hmm. people? I mean, I'm not sure if you can even answer this for me or not, but. Does this movie get poo-pooed more because it doesn't have the classic fall that usually movies like this have? Although I guess most of the movie is kind of the Corleone family kind of on the brink of destruction in a lot of ways, and it, but it ends with like this. I, I mean, I just don't want to say triumphant; it's not quite triumphant. But you know, you're, I'm so used to nowadays when it's something about like criminals or people like this that. You get the glitz and the glamour, but then by the end, you make sure you see that there are consequences for this. And I don't know, maybe the sequels get into that more, but I don't know, do people get upset about that? Because sometimes, you know, even look at something like Sopranos, which I feel like does go out of its way to show maybe not the downfall, but at least that these people are unhappy and they're pieces of shit. That like a show like that does get shit sometimes for glorifying you know violence and uh, crime. So do people look at The Godfather that way, or is it just its own piece of history that it doesn't get that criticism? I I think uh, I've haven't seen that as
0: much. My guess would be that the types of people who would complain about the lack of a fault, you know, moralize about that sort of thing, they might also be into it enough to realize that's you know psychologically it is like it's 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 not great you know much like in the sopranos it's not actually telling you to go on that going out and being a mobster is a good thing that will be good for you yeah just as in in the godfather uh my my opinion on the trilogy without getting into details is like the first one's a masterpiece the second one uh extremely good film um, and then the third one is a pretty good film and yeah. we don't need to worry too much about it. But like I watched all three, three nights in a row. I had a whole Godfather fest going. I had like pizza and wine to finish it off. We had bruschetta. Like it was a theme, Jim. Uh, and it was great. Uh, but to your point, yeah, I, uh, I don't, uh, it, it is interesting how this film is basically like a performance. Like it's kind of like a sports movie. It's like someone rising to the top, right? That's yeah. the plot. Uh, which I think is part of what makes it so satisfying as well, you know, cause that is why you can aspire to that. A lot of people will watch, you know, the Godfather one and see this bit and maybe not watch two and three, where there is more of a classic kind of like showing that this moral corruption also leads to, you know, like you being unhappy, even if that's not necessarily as violent and as in, you know, Scarface or whatever, um, that is still very much part of it. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know, Jim.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and also, um, like, uh, you know, thinking of it almost in the realm of like, uh, I mean, even though we're we're talking more in context of Sopranos, but whenever we're talking about Sopranos, inevitably Breaking Bad will come up, because obviously, like, with with the Michael character, and I mean, don't get me wrong, I understand the Godfather has been discussed to death for you know what, how long has it been out like. 50 years, 50 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, whatever. I, but, you know, just getting our own conversation because I, I it's interesting now like being more into like this other pop culture movies, TV shows that that explore the anti-hero and especially something like Breaking Bad that's more about taking a regular person and making him into Scarface or into almost like a Michael. But what's interesting, you know, since this movie's more of its time It's like, you know, we have this shorthand where we see that Michael comes back from the war and then he's kind of they talk about how he's more of the unlikely son. He's the one that's supposed to, you know, go straight, although I guess. But again, that's still for nefarious purposes, like he would become a politician. But then it'd be great because, oh, we got a Corleone in the in the Congress or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's all about like how he naturally just goes into his role. But I think it's interesting because they don't even, and, and since it's of its time, and I think this is a good thing because nowadays, we'd have to spend more time showing that Michael's different, and then we'd have to have a scene where like he's he's almost like looks in the mirror and is like, "What am I becoming?" Like the movie doesn't really get into that. It's just he almost immediately just like sits in his father's chair and he's like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this, and we're gonna do that, and uh, this is all we're gonna do," and so. I mean, are they kind of telling us that it's just in his blood? It's just naturally what he's good at. Are they telling us that, well, he went to war and that's just its own version of preparing him for something like this? Or, you know, what's what's your read on, like, just how natural Michael is with the family business? Well, there's this scene, right, where um, he saves his father at the hospital. Great
0: fucking scene. Yeah. I was watching that, like... Going, like, how are we so bad at building tension in films these days? Because he's just, you know, walking in, spotting that, like, cigarettes left there, still smoking, but the guards have left, the whole ward is empty, and he just knows something is up, and finds his father, and where the nurse hides, you know, hides him, and uh, all of this shit, and I'm, all along, I'm like we're so bad at films these days because this is like a, a pretty long scene and it's just classic building tension telling you something bad's about to happen you you don't need to say outright what's going on because we can tell and we're realizing it alongside with him uh and that just makes it more powerful knowing what's going on and the way he's smart like i think that scene is central to what you're asking because there's this important bit where he Uh, gets the baker from the first scene of the film to help him out pretend to be like a tough guy standing guard and so the guys drive off and that made me think like wow cell phones have really changed a lot (laughs) because they could have just been like yeah it's clear you can go in right now and the timing would have been fucked uh, for the old Corleones but anyway this guy, uh, the baker, is like his hands shaking all crazy, and Michael hands him a cigarette, and he just notices his own own hands how they're totally calm. Oh, yeah. um, and I mean, that's him seeing that he can do this stuff, and also that he was smart with what he decided to do. And I think this is where, to him, his dad has just gotten shot, right? So I think the a, very, a pretty surface reading is that you know for him. He did go off to war and all that. He's always been like the calm, collected guy. He picked up some skills over there. But more importantly, now his family's in danger. He didn't want to get into it like to earn money for himself. He knew what was going on with the family and didn't really want to do that and he was steered away from it for, by his father. But just the fact that he can do it and his family's in danger, at that point it's kind of a turning point of he has I have to do it then. And yeah. that's but you're right. There's no like, oh like angst about it. It's almost like we're with him, but we take a step outside of him for him to, like, progress into this villain, basically. (laughs) Uh,
1: But we're still with him.
0: Very Breaking Bad, as you say, although, of course, this was about 40 years earlier. (laughs) Yeah,
1: well, and also going back to that scene, I realized, like, I've been conditioned or trained too much by modern storytelling and modern, like, movies or TV or whatever because in that moment, I'm too caught up like, after the fact, I, I'm realizing, like, what you're saying, like, the important things that he sees the guy shaking and that he's not. But in the moment, because if this was, a, in my opinion, if this was a movie made today, it'd be, like, that guy's nervous because he's actually the one there to kill Vito Corleone, and it's because he wouldn't kill the guy from the beginning. You know what I mean? Because you know how, like, yeah. nowadays they always have to throw these loops at you where it's like, oh, he thinks he he's going to use this guy to help him real quick, but actually he's the guy. And then it's like, is he going to think fast and shoot him in the head or like what, like whatever kind of nonsense they would do now. But I had to like be like, no, no, relax. You don't have to try to be ahead of the, the story. Like, like you kind of do with a lot of things that come out now, or at least the way I've been trained to watch stuff. Uh, yeah, so. I,
0: I honestly think like the sixth sense kind of ruined a lot of stuff for <laughs> everyone because it's like whoa twists and yeah. like you didn't see this coming and like the the sort of uh, comments on a film of like you never know where it's going. That's not necessarily like the highest praise you can give, right? The yeah. Godfather, you kind of know where it's going in the first fucking series of scenes at the wedding or whatever because we know Michael's like the cool important kid main character maybe I just know this because I've seen it before but it kind of feels like you know the type of story you're getting. You know what genre it is. We're going to follow the convention. We don't have to break every fucking convention, <laughs> um, but we're going to do it in an interesting way. It, it doesn't have, have to be, like, subverted to everything, which is what very much what we do these days because we've grown so used to all the, comp, the, the usual tropes that it's like, now we have to turn them on their heads, otherwise yeah. people are going to get bored, which is fair enough. I mean, that's why some things, like, you know, community is great or whatever, but... Also, I, I as I was saying, I was just like, wow, I feel like I haven't f- felt this tense in a film scene that I've seen this year or last year, uh, like a new film, and how do we not do that anymore? How are we so bad at that now? <laughs> is it just because I'm used to it? I don't think that's why. It, what it is, you know? I think it's just when it's good, it's good.
1: Yeah, and also I think that, not that this doesn't exist, but... It's harder to take your time in a movie these days, like, because yeah. again, the fact—I mean, even though movies are still long as fuck, like, like movies are still long. Like Marvel mm-hmm. movies are coming out and they're almost three hours as well. But even those movies that are long, like, they don't—it's not because they're taking their time. It's because they, they just like. It's a lot of like plot, plot, plot here. We, like, here's the, what this was going on. This was going to happen. And then a twist. Oh, my God. Everything we thought was happening before is not happening. This It's actually this. And then a twist. Uh, but in, in a weird way, I can also parallel and relate that to like not to fully shit on uh, Al Pacino because I thought he was awesome in The Irishman. But like what happened to this Al Pacino? Like, mm. the soft... I mean, obviously, this is a specific part, so he's playing it away, but, like, this more soft-spoken subtle, because I feel like even in a part like this now, he's going to be like, yeah! Like, it's me! Al Pacino! <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I don't know. It was just weird to see, like, oh, yeah, he used to kind of do this a lot more. Even going into, like... um a movie I still haven't seen in years, but I've seen it more recently The Godfather, like uh, Dog Day Afternoon, because he's, he's another just kind of more chill, soft-spoken guy. He's not always screaming and yelling. And I don't know, maybe Scarface was a big part of his change or whatever, but it, it, it's almost like a completely different guy. Although, again, it is 50 years ago, so he, he probably was. Maybe by cell degeneration and regeneration, he is a completely different guy.
0: We also can't forget that he uh, played a great role in that film where Adam Sandler is his own sister and he sings a song, a rap song about Dunkachinos in a sort of ad for Dunkin' Donuts. So a lot of things have happened since The Godfather, <laughs> yeah. in other words. I think, I, I, honestly, whenever something someone makes great things, and they get old and they make bad things, I try to just be grateful because you don't want everyone to be Biggie Smalls and get shot, right? I I, uh, try to think of the world as like, I would love to see Biggie Smalls slanging ads for Norton Antivirus like Snoop Dogg and having a cooking show with Martha Stewart or whatever. (laughs) Like, I, I prefer that world. So yeah, I mean, Al Pacino, a lot has happened. His performance in this is obviously amazing. Just so many people try to pull off that quiet intensity that he has to him in this character, and so many people can't do that. But it's so perfectly played how he does so much with so little that I feel like some directors like will just put someone who's making no expression in front of a camera, throw some music under there, and I'm supposed to, like, you know see a lot in his performance uh, or her performance but i i don't always you know it's you can just really tell that there's this whole world in his head and we're following along and they're showing just the right bits for us to to come on that journey
1: yeah yeah absolutely and i have to call out for this movie um slightly off topic here but you know, this This is back in the, uh, even. well, even then when I watched it at this point, I didn't get it because I was too young. But back in the old double VHS days for you kids out there, <laughs> this was a classic double VHS. And not that I really remember watching because I was still, even though I'm an older gentleman, I, I was still p- too young to get The Godfather. But I remember the double VHS. And weirdly enough, I specifically remember where VHS 1 ended <laughs> and they chose for the first tape to, and at least on my copy, and I did look this up, and other people did confirm it. When um, Sonny gets gets killed, which is like it's not like a halfway point or anything, but there, but it's a good point. It's like, right, this is v- VHS one ends because where Sonny gets uh, like under siege by the cops and not the cops, but like at the uh, fucking toll booth, the toll booth. Yes. And then he gets shot up and falls out of the car or whatever. And they're like, this is it. This is where VHS one ends. Cause then VHS two begins with like, um, it's kind of like that moment now with uh, like Vito and Michael, as they're like kind of discussing what's to do next or, and also just dealing with like the loss of Sunny, but I don't know why. It's just something that felt important to me because I was like, I remember this. This is where you switch VHS tapes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, apparently <laughs> apparently that scene cost like $100,000 just to shoot that bit because they built all of that so they could fuck it all up and obviously the car and there's explosions, right? I, I seem to recall. Yeah. Or I? So like a huge set piece. So I, I guess that it makes sense. Uh, apparently like <laughs> one of the many negotiations that had to go back and forth between the studio and, and Coppola is like they wanted more violence to appeal to a broader audience um, not that this scene was one of them because it's obviously pivotal to the whole plot but Coppola did add a few more violent scenes just to keep the studio happy like the one where Connie's smashing all the plates and stuff after Carlo's been cheating on her like uh, that was added in to make it like to appease the studio I mean I think I, I'm not saying like director's always right, studio's always wrong because I think that scene is pretty good as well, um, but it's just interesting how that's definitely a thing I feel from The Sopranos too, where people are like, where's the mob shit? <laughs> <You>
1: <laughs> yeah, know? Some mob shit. It was like, here's here's what people expect, more violent scenes like this one. <laughs> and then there's the scene when um, when uh, Sonny beats up Carlo, like beforehand, when he like beats him up in the street or whatever, because that's Carlo, yeah. right? The brother-in-law?
0: yes exactly. yeah
1: when he beats him up like he's like uh and at one point he's like throwing like trash barrels on him and then they uh carlos trying to like hold on the handrail and then he starts like biting his hand <laughs> but yes. like and and i know that scene because in the clerks cartoon they <laughs> do like that exact scene like animated when someone's getting the shit kicked out of them and i'm like oh yeah i remember this i remember oh, from goodness. the clerks
0: cartoon <laughs> I didn't know. I I haven't seen that one actually. Mm -hmm. May need to. uh, This is a bit of a side shoot, but the clerk's cartoon. It is good, right? People say it's good. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, cool. Check it out. Um, Just about the writing, I wanted to touch on as well, because as we're saying, there's a lot of changes from the studio, but also like the chaos behind the scenes, like Coppola and Puzo, who wrote the original book. Which also, by the way, it's interesting how it came out just a couple of years beforehand, you know, because now I I, when I think of something like this, I always think of like, oh, they were making an old book. But this is like an adaptation like The Hunger Games that comes out almost (laughs) the next year or whatever. I didn't know Um, that. Yeah, so Puzo who who wrote the book, I don't know if that's the pronunciation, but he uh apparently he he was given an option for uh or you know accepted an option however you say it. Like he was given money for it before the book got super popular. Um so they gave him like 12,000 up front and apparently he had he was like, yeah, sure, because uh, he needed 10000 to pay off gambling debts <laughs> because at this point his book hadn't become hugely successful and he wasn't a household name, but then it, the book was like on the bestseller list for like months and months and months and made lots of money and everyone loved it, so uh, then as it ended up Coppola and him were writing it together, but they were writing it, like, one of them in LA and one in, in San Francisco, and they were writing them separately and like Apparently Coppola created this book where he tore pages out of Puzo's book and pasted them into his book. Uh, So I don't know if that is even in reference to Puzo's version of the screenplay or just the actual book. I'm pretty sure he just means the book. Uh, but then they they made notes and stuff. Apparently, I don't know if how amicable... I think it was pretty amicable, but it's just interesting how chaotic that seemed as well. Yeah. Where they, ha- like, apparently when filming then he would... They had a final draft eventually, but then when they were filming, Coppola would still use his, his book that has, like, scenes pasted in from the original book and stuff <laughs> for reference. <laughs> and obviously they ended up doing loads of editing it down because it was even much longer than three hours originally. So, so much of this film was made in the edit. Like... There were all these scenes with uh, Sonny, like, we're, like we were talking about, that didn't end up adding that much to it. So mm. they kind of cut a lot of those out, for example.
1: Yeah, well, and, and even like, this is like a small thing, um, but like, uh, like just kind of to the writing or some of the shortcuts, like the character of Luca Brazzi... I mean, obviously, he's memorable because the line, you know, Luca Brasi sleeps with the fishes is like, you know, a quotable line. Plus, of course, in The Sopranos, it's a thing they goof on a bunch. But I like the uh, like the shorthand, the way they do that. It's like you remember him because they just have that scene where, you know, he's hilariously practicing his uh, his speech. I was like, oh, Godfather, on the, the, the wedding of your daughter may a child be a masculine child and i've been saying that just all week as well but i like because because he's not even in it a ton like you think or at least in my mind i'm like oh yeah luca brazzi sleeps with the fishes that's a big deal like late in the movie but you know Mm -hmm. it's like one of the first things but it's enough like without even like hanging out with luca brazzi a lot you just get it you get it that he's a loyal soldier he's got a lot of respect for the Corleone family, he's their go-to guy. And then obviously, it's a big deal that he's someone they take out. But I just like that the way it's just kind of peppered in enough to kind of clue the audience into what's going on and get everyone all on the same page that, like, you know, okay, shit's going down, uh, things are happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that where, you know, the scene with all the oranges where... Yeah. Uh Don Corleone, retired, is like wandering around scaring his kid, or his grandkids, sorry. I thought that was like in Godfather 3. Like, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I had it all mixed up, because <laughs> so many iconic moments, but the string of events and everything, it'll get kind of mixed up in your head after so many years. So for me, when I rewatched it, and that was there, and as you said, something like as big as that, but it happens early on in the film, the Godfather is just packed with like so much excellent stuff that I thought stuff that was in the Godfather was in like two or three and then other, other stuff is in two and three, obviously. But yeah, it is, uh, it's amazing how that can, uh, just, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, it as a reference, but you forget kind of the, the, the context of it.
1: Yeah. And you know, there are dissertations on oranges in the Godfather and I mean, there's you have to, especially if we're talking about it in the context of Sopranos, you know, it, there's that famous scenes. The well, there's the eggs, of course. But when Tony gets almost killed in season one, when he's sick, like, remember, he's like, he's all sick and trippy. And then those t- uh, those two black guys like roll up on him to they just try to stage it like a carjacking. But it's Junior yeah. sending guys to kill him. And it's like famously the reason they have him buying orange juice because that's their little nod to like when Vito gets shot because like what the oranges like spill out everywhere when those do- those two guys roll up on him. And of course, Fredo's fumbling with his gun like a fool. Uh, but and then of course, just oranges are in other scenes as well. Like when he does, you know, finally die or when I think they're sitting with um, not Mo Green, but the... Uh, Jack Waltz, the Hollywood guy. I think when they're sitting at a table with him, there's oranges in the middle, and then his horse, you know, poor horse, gets the head cut off, which was another scene, of course, parodied in everything, especially The Simpsons. But yeah, uh, yeah good stuff. And I, but I know you kind of love hate that type of stuff in a way, <laughs> where you know when we get into the eggs on Sopranos, or of course now getting into the oranges on The Godfather. Uh, I know you kind of. I think you respect it, but you also hate it, right? Well,
0: I yeah, I guess. Uh I, I didn't realize that was the profile I was building for myself, but you're right. That that is how I come across. I mean in The Godfather again, I just my thing I keep returning to is like it's so simple but perfectly executed. I don't feel like that metaphor is like, t- like when you say there's dissertations written on it, I'm like, why? It's obvious what it means, Yes, you sure. know? Because uh, it's obvious, but it's also not over, like, it's not overly in your face. Like, it's not like them going, metaphor, look at the <laughs> orange, which it can come off at other times, but it's other stuff like, you know, the eggs and the Sopranos, I'm like, I don't know, because I'm like, it's not really central enough for me to buy it, but I, so I kind of feel like people just use it as a sort of reason to pick apart every single thing that's shown on screen. Uh, now, I may have been wrong on The Sopranos. I'll have to tell you after my complete second rewatch what I think about the egg theory or the... It's not a theory, even. It's just like art, the artistry of it. And I feel like I'm I feel like I'm the David Chase of people watching The Sopranos when I go, <laughs> what are you talking about? He was just buying orange juice. <laughs> yeah. That's
1: definitely something David Chase would say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just to fuck with people. <laughs> that's totally true. Um... I mean, I, and going back to acting as well, and I don't, I don't want to throw too much shade, but like, I I guess it's just like a, a different time because Diane Keaton. And again, I haven't watched a lot of her older movies, but I mean, obviously I've seen Annie Hall and I've seen this movie and I don't know what this aloof ditzy style that she used to do, or maybe that was just the style at the time, but it kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know about you. Hmm. Well, there's a lot of like a lot of the acting is very stylized. It's yeah. just for the gangsters,
0: they're so extreme characters like they're that we think that it makes sense for them to be that kind of over the top in, in the way they talk or whatever. Um, so I guess it maybe sticks out more. For her, because I it think could. it is like her acting doesn't necessarily stick out in the film. But I can get I get why her like type that she's playing uh, wouldn't work as well uh, for you. I, I didn't feel that way, but I can understand that.
1: And oh, and the other interesting thing, like because again, going back to like especially modern gangster, or I guess not even just gangster tales, but like whether it be gangster or superhero or whatever, like you know, usually it's the secret identity. So it's weirdly surprising to me at the beginning when Michael's like, tells the story of Luca Brazzi or he tells the story, no Johnny Fontaine, and he's like, you know, so my father, they, you know, he offered him money, he said no, then he came back with a gun, like he's being very, like out in the open about, you no, know, my family's in crime, like these, these are all crime people, so it's weird because that's in, in a way. I don't know if it's because I'm buying into this thing of ours and like, uh, Michael, are you breaking our oath? You're speaking to an outsider? Uh, Or am I just so used to how movies have to like have the main character pretend they're not a thing? It was just surprising to me that like right at the beginning, he's like, nah, you know, these criminals, uh, they're all in crime and that's what we do. I get you. I mean, so a couple of things. Obviously, this
0: was... Way before wiretaps, you know, so less of a <laughs> yeah. concern, just True. blabbing about this shit. Uh, but also, I, I the setup, the way I'm reading it, is that him and Kay have been going out for a fair while. Yeah. Uh, and his family is not something you bring people into, uh, like, to, and to try to keep them unaware. It's like, he's bringing her to this wedding. He's, I mean, we, we see he's in, he's in love with her, I, I guess. Yeah, you know? you, I mean, he wants
1: her in the picture.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, this is kind of in a way, this is him testing her. This is also a great way to get some exposition to the audience, but it's also yeah. him going like, "Look, I know I'm perfect. I'm softly spoken. Got these charming eyes. You know, great career. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fucking catch." Uh, but here's the catch: uh, <laughs> <laughs> all my family are all up in crime and kind of reading her reaction, which is kind of his part of his same softly spoken, like talk about horrific things, but. You know what? Act all nonchalant about it, but he's kind of getting a read on her as well to see. I am thinking about bringing you into this family, even though I I don't want to be actively part in it. And I'll I'll tell you, but this is kind of also uh, maybe I'm over reading into it. But I feel like to him, his family is also kind of something he's ashamed of as he's out there in the world before all of this starts, because he's trying to be the squeaky clean guy, or they're they're trying to make him, his, his dad's trying to make him the squeaky clean guy, but, like, that also means that he has this you know, dual personality. He kind of has a secret identity and this is just happens to be the scene where he's decided it's time to let her see all of that and for her to make a judgment on if she can accept that or not because he's having trouble accepting it as well, of course, and dealing with it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that makes, I I like that. I mean, because I I like that part about it because I like that we're not spending time where it's kind of like almost a comical sitcom-y thing of like, you know, he's got to kick a gun under the couch or something because she almost sees it like that type of shit uh yeah well yeah i like it as an as like a weird test and also it's still it's still almost a secret identity because he's bringing you up in a way of like well that's not me and i guess at the, at the in this moment he does believe that as well even though you know if i could quote godfather three about godfather one it's like you know hey they're gonna pull you back in michael Ah, huh? you think you're out they're going to pull you back in. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the last time,
0: the very famous quotes, of course, the last time I heard it was definitely on The Sopranos. I'm pretty sure Silvio goes around spouting yeah. that line yeah. uh, amongst other things. <laughs> uh, um, and everyone's like, yeah, do your Al Pacino. <laughs> I mean, um, I, speaking of John. Okay. Oh, you-, you go ahead. I was gonna say, speaking of Johnny Fontaine, just I had to relay this because I just learned about it before recording here, that apparently the actor who plays him, uh, you know, was a famed nightclub singer or whatever, he was notified about the role um, from a friend who read the book, and he con- contacted the producer who did give him the part for it. And then after Coppola became the director, he was stripped of the part. Um and the role was instead given to the singer, Vic Damone. And so according to uh martino uh the actual actor who plays johnny fontaine after he was stripped of the role he went to russell buffalino does that sound familiar that sounds (laughs) very familiar mm -hmm. is it not from the irishman oh yeah, yeah he went to his godfather who was an actual crime boss? Yeah. <laughs> uh, who who then orchestrated the publication of various news articles that claimed that Coppola was unaware of uh, Ruddy giving Martino the part. Um, so saying that he didn't ca- he didn't kick him off. He he just didn't know that Martino was already cast. Apparently, this is was a thing that happened, and then. Uh, the new guy who'd gotten the role, uh, he he dropped it because he did not want to provoke the mob, uh, and he was also not being paid enough. He thought, uh, you know, to provoke the mob, uh, so that ended up with Johnny Fontaine uh, being, uh, you know, portrayed by Martino. So basically, the the plot yeah. of the film <laughs> happened outside <laughs> of the film, is what I'm saying, because that's his whole thing in the film. So you yes. got to give it to him; he
1: knows how to play mm-hmm. that character because he just pulled that stunt right before the film shooting started. That's <laughs> hilarious. It's like, yeah, here we are we're trying to make our mob movie, and then uh, we're living our movie. We're, although, weirdly enough, like th- just this week they announced that there is a movie in the works about the making of The Godfather. Um, hmm. Let me see, because they just cast... Uh, let me pull it up real quick. Oh, like a fictional... like Yes, a, Oscar uh, Isaac oh. uh, and Jake Gyllenhaal. They're making a movie about... Uh, yeah, it's called um, Francis and the Godfather, and uh, Oscar Isaac will play Francis Ford Coppola, and Jake Gyllenhaal will be, will be uh, producer Robert Evans. So I'm sure we'll get to see that play out in the movie as well. Um, and I think well, that also, yeah. I think that, that that's a cool idea. I think that'd be a cool movie. And I mean, again, it's a movie. It's 50 years old. It's ripe for like people get a little, I mean, obviously they're going to dramatize a lot of things, but people get more honest. Now there's a lot of time between things. So you can make something interesting. I think they also recently announced they wanted HBO max. I think wants to do a Godfather TV show, which kind of like sucks. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like shit, but that just sounds like shit because
0: like I'd be fine with them doing, uh, you know, a show inspired by the Godfather. Yeah. And the Sopranos was inspired by the Godfather. Uh, but trying to redo the same plot, but with modern actors, I can't see that there being much point to it, you know?
1: Yeah, making the God... On, on Paramount TV+, Plus. Uh, Godfather TV series. Oh, it's called The Offer. Oof. They're oh. making us an offer. We can't refuse. Uh, yeah, I five- mean, can't <laughs> refuse to watch it, obviously, but still. <laughs> uh, from the perspective... Wait, scripted drama... Oh, actually, this is the same thing. So they oh. it's actually a scripted drama about the making of The Godfather. So I guess this okay. is going to be a race then because I don't think this is the same project I just referenced.
0: Are you F- sure? Are you sure it just didn't turn into a TV show because it
1: sounds insane just as far as rights. But this uh, this was more recent. Like I heard about the t- maybe they turned the TV show into a movie because I heard about the TV show like a month ago. The movie I just heard about days ago. They just announced this casting. This The movie's directed by Barry Levinson, who also made Rain Man and Good Morning Vietnam. Um, the, the movie will map Coppola's struggle at the age of 31 to convince studios to make the film. Uh, he wanted to transpose the film to New York, despite the original script being set in Kansas City. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, that's the thing I read.
0: Uh, that's what I referenced before about it being like modern day and in Kansas City. You know, all, <laughs> it's really interesting. Like, I, I definitely think there is room to explore there with because uh, there was so much chaos and so much conflict in the making of it. There's that, this whole bit I read about as well, where uh, Francis Ford Coppola felt like there were these people angling to get him fired um like the editor at the time and someone else so he got them fired so he basically said like I was like the godfather making preemptive st- strikes to take these people out of production cuz I felt like they were going to try to get me fired so I got them fired first
1: <laughs> yeah real a lot of, yeah a lot of scheming and yeah mafioso tactics going on because no yeah looking at this this the thing called the offer is a 10 episode scripted uh, but, yeah, it feels like they're going to they're gonna have to race to see who's going to get this. I mean, I guess they'll probably both end up coming out. It's being written and executive produced by Michael Tolkien, who did Escape Uh, uh He'll also be a producer. They don't have much else. It's just that it's about the making of it. Hmm. Weird. I guess it's that whole yeah. thing where you're just, like, mining for ideas, and you're like, oh, let's just do... We're all coming up with the same idea. Let's just do it. Yeah,
0: I'm 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 just scrolling through this news as well and I'm seeing reporting on both uh which is very strange that that is also a making of but uh as far as we can tell right now these are separate projects that are both <laughs> going ahead and will be
1: discussed on Cut to Black eventually we'll yeah. do a comparison for you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's, if there's much else left to say. Like, again, you know, this movie's a classic. I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've seen it. I mean, if for whatever reason you haven't or you haven't seen it recently, uh, it's well worth uh, well worth a rewatch.
0: Yeah. And uh, relating it to The Sopranos again, I feel like, you know, In The Sopranos, they're always talking about how, you know, it's just the depiction of Italian-Americans in the the (laughs) media these days. You know, it's horrible. It's all, you know, stereotypical, even though they are actual mobsters. They're always complaining about how it's stereotypical to portray them all as mobsters. I just wanted to relay a last tidbit on the film there, that the Italian-American Civil Rights League, which sounds like something Silvio's part of in The Sopranos, (laughs) uh which was led by the mobster Joseph Colombo. He, They wanted all the uses of the word mafia and Costa Nostra to be removed from the script, uh, in addition to feeling that it emphasized stereotypes about Italian-Americans. And they requested that all the money from the premiere be donated to the league's fund to build a new hospital. And I'm sure all the money would have gone to that hospital as well and nowhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Coppola, uh, he said that the screenplay only contained two, two instances of the word mafia and Cosa Nostra wasn't in it at all, and they were removed and replaced with other terms, and Coppola didn't feel it changed the story, so they gave into it, kind of, and uh, the League eventually gave its support for the script. So, fun fact there about more more behind the scenes intrigue of the type of horse heads that are being lobbied back and forth uh, behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and actually, and one other thing before we finish up that I want to call out. I because mean, I, I, I assume we're, we're probably going to talk about the Godfather two and three as well, right? I'd say we should because I do need I to. So. I know you rewatched them, but I do need to rewatch uh, Godfather two. But John Cazale, who plays Fredo like i mean he did he he passed away in 1978 uh i guess like what you said you know he's like biggie he was shot like he the movie i mean he was in a short called the american way he was on an episode of a tv show called NYPD the godfather was his first film and then he followed that up with the conversation then he was in the godfather 2 then he was in dog day afternoon and then he was in the deer hunter and then he passed away but like Almost every movie. Well, no, every literally every movie he's in is a fucking classic, and yeah. he's amazing. I mean, he's he's not in this one a ton, but he's great. So I don't know. I'm sure we'll get into it more when we discuss uh, Godfather Two. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, and what was I going to say? I forget. Uh, yeah. something about. Hmm. Had something important, but you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it in our discussion. Oh yeah, that's I remember. So the Godfather three, right? Rewatching that, they're actually releasing a sort of recut, sort of a director's cut. Oh, uh, right. It was supposed to be later this year. I don't know, you know, things change, but we should definitely time it so we'll talk about. Uh, godfather 2 part 2 uh whenever but we'll we should do part 3 when the uh recut has come out because i i'd be i'd want to re-watch that because i wonder how much of it will be different and i'll have the perspective of having recently watched the original cut and well, the new
1: cut. that's what i was gonna ask so should i even watch the god should i for the first time i watched the godfather 3 watch the recut yeah, and then right. I can say at the
0: start of the episode My name is Jacob Burrows <laughs> and I watched the original cut And the new cut of The Godfather 3 uh, Because yeah, The Godfather 3 Is very, like it, It's got a lot of good parts And then it's got some parts where you're like It's weird that this is a central part of the film And then it's got some parts where it's like Uh... This editing's weird, <laughs> so it's the kind of things that might actually be vastly improved in a recut. But I am also not convinced that will make much of a difference. And also, it's weird how The Godfather Three obviously came out like eighteen years later or whatever. Like it came out in nineteen ninety, so it's like way, uh, way different. Coppola didn't even want to make it for loads of years, and then was like had like a budget. Uh, but like a, a film that didn't do too well and he eventually was like, all right, Paramount, I'll make a fuck another one. <laughs> it's um, but We'll, we'll so get into all of that in
1: detail. It's weird to me to think because Goodfellas came out in 1990 as well. It's weird to think that yeah. those both those movies came out at the same time. Or I mean, not obviously not the exact same time, but same year. Uh, and But also the tough thing of thinking about a recut is just because Coppola's not really known that well, at least in my regard for great, recuts like yeah his 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 director's cut of the outsiders is fucking shit i watched Mm -hmm. it recently and i didn't realize i was watching it like because i was watching the outsiders and i'm like why is this different why is this not like i remember and when it was over i looked it up and i realized i watched his rumble cut or whatever and i was so annoyed it's mostly because he just changes the music and apocalypse now redux is just way long uh, and Apocalypse Now is like a masterpiece, although I haven't watched his latest. He did release another cut. I have the Blu-ray, but I haven't watched his latest director's cut. Maybe that one's good. So I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of like a little questionable, but yeah, I'll wait. I'll wait to see his new cut of uh, The Godfather 3. Yeah, I'd question that a bit as well because
0: as I said, like there was a lot of like scenes cut with Sonny that I'm sure were great scenes from The Godfather One, but I don't want to see a different version of The Godfather part one. Like there's no point because it's perfect. Yeah. Um like taking out those scenes was necessary to make it feel that breezy and quick. And The Godfather 2 and 3, I have other things to say that I guess we'll get into in the future. But, for now, uh, what are your opinions? Please leave them in a review on Apple Podcasts of Cut to Black, A Soprano Sit Down, if you haven't already. Um, I also wanted to recommend... Now that it's in the public eye, I will once more tout our other podcast, No Mercy, Cobra Kai Kickback, because Cobra Kai is back on top where we've been uh, (laughs) trying to get everyone to watch Cobra Kai for years. Eventually, they put it on Netflix, and now the whole world is obsessed with Cobra Kai, and Season 3 is coming early next year. We've discussed every single episode of Cobra Kai on No Mercy, a Cobra Kai Kickback. If you haven't checked out Cobra Kai, do so, and then check out our podcast. And finally, I did also want to mention we do have a host of other podcasts, including Blank Meets Blank, where we make up a television show every episode. We've been recording more episodes of that, and new ones will be coming out shortly. So search for Blank Meets Blank on your podcatcher of choice and subscribe there as well to see uh, our new episodes.
1: Absolutely um well now i guess there's just one last thing to say i'm trying to remind myself how this how this goes but yeah i guess there's just uh one more thing left to say jacob oh what's that jim cut to black